Welcome to another edition of Practitioner Radio, Pink Elephant's podcast for the IT management community. Welcome to Practitioner Radio, Pink Elephant's podcast for the ITSM community, the fastest 30 minutes in ITSM audio. Hey, this is Chris Dancy, and I'm here with... Troy Dumoulin. Troy, 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 boy, our Troy, boy, boy. Uh, Troy, I've got some exciting news for you. You do? Yes, I do. And I always wait till we're recording before I tell you these things. I'll do tell. Uh, guess who I ran into in the airport in San Francisco last week? Gene Simmons. Oh, no, no, no. That wouldn't be very... Well, actually, it would be exciting. No, Gary Case. Oh, Gary. Down, uh, yeah. Yeah. Working with a certain power company down there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I ran into Gary Case. Guess who is a fan of Practitioner Radio? Uh, Gary Gary Case. Gary Case. Okay. Well, it's good to know he actually listens. Hey, Gary. <laughs> Shout out to Gary. <laughs> I was like, I'm like, you listen to Troy and I? Well, of course he doesn't. Do you. I know you always get mad at me when I when I deface myself and make you smart. But still, I was like, oh, that's really good. He goes, no, no, even even our clients listen to him. I'm like, cool. Well, I hope so. So uh, big, big shout out to Gary. And then uh, the other thing, news I wanted to break for you. Um, I, I know you, you've got a very busy schedule, but uh, I kind of listen into what everyone else is chatting about. And I've noticed a disturbing pattern before we start today's topic. And I'm not sure if you've noticed this, but as soon as you and I finish a podcast and post it, literally for two weeks after each one we do, everybody writes blogs about our topics. Have you, have you noticed this yet? Well, you know... The- Flattery, as they say, what's the, the ultimate flattery? It's uh, it's the coffee side of it, right? So, right. okay, yeah. I'm not I'm not saying names, but give shout outs to practitioner radio folks because we know where you're getting your bread buttered. <laughs> all right, it's all good. It's all good, Chris. It's it's it's, it's, it's all good. But come on, you're the Troy. I mean, come on. All right, like I said, trifection. All right, so uh, moving on, we are actually going to talk about my future job. Oh yeah, the business relationship manager. I think you'd be great at it. Yeah, I do too. Well, I don't know. I don't know. As long as I could work alone. <laughs> well, actually, that's kind of uh, an oxymoron when it comes to the you know, relationship manager, work alone. <laughs> uh, so uh, we've, we've done d- demand, supply, portfolio. Everything has kind of led up to this moment we are, are. So let's dive right in because I actually just got finished listening to a podcast where they talked a little bit about SLM and BRM. But can you kind of give us a level set for those people who are just catching up on why we're talking about BRM? Well, a couple of reasons. First of all, we've kind of walked through, as you mentioned a moment ago, the conversation of strategy and portfolio and demand and supplier. And we've been touching on this concept of that front face to the business customer, you know, managing the intake and helping to influence demand. And it's time to talk about that role more in, in more concrete fashion. And also... You know, the last 2011 e-ITIL service pack just came out and the role of BRM has been elevated from where it's always been in context of service level management and service catalog, as you just referenced. But now it gets its its own, it's in the limelight. It's up and even in the strategy book. It, it, it even moved up from design into strategy. So, hey, let's talk about this role that's so critical. Yeah, well, I, I didn't know that. I mean, that's kind of exciting with... Uh knowing that, that it got elevated. Uh, I, I do have to say, uh, for those of you who haven't had a chance, I'll put a link. Uh, go back and listen to this, the supplier management show. That was, uh, to me, really, really enlightening. And I think that's where I really got kind of the breadth and, and importance of uh, a business relationship manager uh, as far as understanding the different relationships 
externally. And some of the things you said back then were kind of understanding what the services and, and offerings were, uh, what supplier, whether that be internal or external, would be best at doing that, uh, kind of understanding the politics of if we were to go outside. Uh, other things I remember is if, if you don't have it sorted internally, you know, don't even think about looking to an external supplier until, you know, you understand what you're doing internally. Um, and then I remember we ended off on where in the world does someone get a skill set like business relationship management or how does someone even train? Would that be an okay place to start? Yeah, it would be. And uh, you got to think about the business relationship manager as almost having two sides of their brain, the left and right, both active at the same time. They, they, they think business in terms of business goals and business requirements and they understand the business for the, you know, as far as the strategy goes. And they also understand and speak IT speak. It's almost like uh, you have to have one of those Babel fish stuck in your ear. You know, you, you're hearing one thing and able to translate it out the other. Now, that concept does not seem foreign because we hear a lot about that at conferences and being able to uh, have a, a leg in each, each of those worlds. So here's the question. Okay, I'm going to get real close to the mic. Is it easier to train an IT person to be more business-focused or a business person to understand IT? Okay, so if given the choice... If given the choice, I would I would go with the latter Ooh, <laughs> because <kidding. laughs> I don't come to the table with all my predefined IT background and baggage from the point of view I want to speak tech speak and talk server versus business objective. But it's not impossible because I've seen many people come through an IT perspective and become a good business relationship manager, but usually they are entering IT in the context of a service desk or a service level management uh, career path if they're going to be a good BRM because they have this empathy built into them and the skill sets and the conversational capability to speak uh, or to translate IT speak into business speak. So it can happen both ways. Yeah. And, and, and it, you just made me think again, if if I actually were to tackle a job like this, would, would I find it more difficult? Because no matter how bilingual you are, you know, you always have your native tongue. Uh, would it be more difficult to translate IT into business or business into IT? And I think, you know, when thinking about the role of business relationship manager, I would probably find it harder to feel like I was getting my point across when speaking to IT people. Yeah, so you will find most business relationship managers slash account managers will actually start within an IT context. And they're put forward by the IT organization and say, please Go and talk to the business customer, help them understand what we do and how we can support them and bring back the information and the requirements from them and be our arbitrator, our liaison, help us to make this relationship work, right? It's counsel. Mm-hmm. You know, we're getting counsel here. And, and But the key is that the ideal business relationship manager has a foot in both camps. What often happens, unfortunately, is in both cases – it's you're looking across the fence or across the table at another group. So you, you're, your mind is still divided. I'm IT and I'm speaking on behalf of the IT organization. Or I'm the business because I've actually been hired and paid by a business unit here. And I'm looking at IT as my provider and I'm looking about you know how I can grab the whip and beat out of them my requirements. So there's it's difficult to actually have a foot in both camps. You usually go native one direction or the other. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it feels like 
you know, I can understand a little bit clearly, and maybe we should have, uh, I can't remember if her name is Jennifer or not, uh, on at some point to talk about project management and prints too and all that and all that good stuff we do. But I can understand the KPIs and the objectives that a project manager would have and, and kind of how we would measure the success of a project and, and a project manager in relation to that project. But when it comes to the success and, and measurements of a business relationship manager, I really kind of get caught up on someone who's that fluent in both languages, who in the world first is qualified to understand and measure that person. And second, where do you even begin to think about KPIs for a business relationship management? Well, just like an, an account manager and you know going to an external vendor right. is measured on success of... Mm, you always make it so easy. Go ahead. Well, think, think about it this way. If I'm an account manager, I'm, I'm making, I have KPIs around how many times I'm actually meeting with my customer, right? Uh, the success of that conversation relative to the customer satisfaction experience. So the same way we would measure a salesperson is often the way you would think about measure, measuring this kind of person because what their goal is, what they've been you know, set out to do is to front end this organization's portfolio and service catalog, understand the offers that have been put in place to influence demand. That's our conversation from demand management and options, which are the benefit of their business customer. And then help that business customer use that information for business outcome objectives. Here is how we can sustain, support, enable you. And if this doesn't work, tell me what modifications need to come back into the IT organization so new requirements can be adjusted, whether that's a new portfolio offering we have to put through our portfolio process, or simply we have to adjust one of our current offers and even perhaps come up with a unique offer based on these new requirements. That's that translation role, right? And But I'm not just doing that on an annual basis from a business planning perspective, but I'm now setting down with them agreements and working with them to sign off on those agreements and then coming back on a regular basis to say, okay, here's our portfolio. Here's the dashboard of services we've offered. Here's the SLAs we agreed. Here's the measurements by which we agreed to you know, prove to you how things are working. Tell me how that's going for you, how the experience is actually working. And I'll take the feedback back into the organization so that I can adjust anything. I can adjust support. I can adjust transition to production. I can adjust uh, portfolio. I can adjust all of the life cycle phases based on requirements coming in. And so that business relationship manager is, yes, hearing and gathering requirements, but literally working on the back end with all the other ITIL process leads to adjust the service delivery capability. Wow. So uh, when you said you know, you would measure them much like you would an account manager, I started to interrupt you, but it just it dawned on me when you said that, you know, another one of those trifection moments. We need a little heart that goes, ding, whenever you say something uh, profound that affects me. Uh, well, then we'd have no no talking. It would just be uh, all that harp sound. But yeah, because I don't think a lot of IT people, well, I can't make sweeping judgments. I know earlier in my career, I, if someone would have said, you know, an account manager, I'm like, what's that? You know, I wouldn't have understood someone who stayed in constant contact with our customers, uh, who made sure that they were satisfied with our services, uh, who were measured on touch points and experience management. Because um, uh, that really is the essence of I'm an account manager is kind of that sales, customer relationship management, account management kind of warm and fuzziness. Uh, that we seem to sometimes overlook in, in IT. But yes, so warm and fuzzy is important, but they have to have the substance behind them. That's that's the strength of the organization they're representing in the portfolio as it's described in the catalog, right? Uh, but your point of sales, I want to bring that up. Actually, I want to give an, an analogy here because I find the best way to describe this role is to help 
people understand how they deal with external vendors. Yeah. And, and the other role we got to bring back here is the service owner, which we've talked about in the past as well. Right. So let's talk about a three-way relationship, the business unit, the BRM, and the service owner. And the context I'm going to give you is, let's say there's an account manager in Pink Elephant, right? Yep. That might be Brenda Iniguez, it might be Nancy Murray, or Blair, or Brian. And I'm the service owner. I just happen to be the head of service delivery. So I'm the service owner for our consulting and education services. I'm the service owner. <laughs> I'm accountable for the life of, the, of that service and making sure that we have continual improvement around it. But let's say Brenda, you know, she's meeting with one of our key clients, customers. She does this on a regular basis. She's touching base with them. She goes on site, but she makes them feel that she has you know, given them the, her full attention and Pink Elephant cares. That's important. And she's meeting with them. And they say, oh, Brenda, that's, you know, our services have gone well, but we really would like this thing over here. And we'd like to customize this experience we're experiencing right now because it would meet our requirements better. Now, Brenda's, you know, quite capable of using the catalog of services that we have today. And she's capable of more, but she has the service portfolio we have, our website, our catalog. And she can have that conversation in a detailed way with our customer. But when it comes to customization, she needs to introduce me to the equation. So we get on a call. We have a solutions dialogue and we listen to the problem statement. And literally, I then take that information and take our, our standard offers, which are in our catalog right now, and I develop a new solution, a custom tailored solution for this organization. And it now is contracted in a statement of work, which in terms of a business relationship manager would be a service agreement potentially unique, but also potentially to be standard offer in the catalog. And so there's a three-way conversation. If the customer has an account question on standard offers, he goes to Brenda. Uh, he might have a question now on a custom solution and we have an ongoing relationship. He would go to me as a service owner. But if you know we start talking contract and recovery and, and payment, right. Brenda, Brenda needs to re-enter the conversation. So it's always a three-way relationship. And the account manager is meeting with a customer on a regular basis. The service owner comes in and out when special requirements are you know, being established. You know, I always look for the absurd situation. Can you have a person in the role as business relationship manager if you have no truly dedicated service owners? Well, we do it all the time. So okay. what we're always doing is we're recognizing the gap of having the liaison arbitrator or counselor role. So we put out someone in an account manager, business relationship manager role, but they have very little to kind of lean on for content, mm. right? There's no catalog. Mm. There's no definition of metrics. There's no KPIs. The service level agreements we have are on things the business customer doesn't understand. They're on applications mm. or servers or databases, which are not outcomes. They're technologies. And so the, that business relationship manager doesn't even have a service owner to talk to about an outcome. All they can go and talk to are the domain owners, right? So they sit down in front of their business customer and they want to be good service-oriented people, because that's their role. But the conversation starts out like, what would you like? <laughs> what do you need? And, you know, without any kind of backing information or people to support the conversation, it's just this open-ended wish list. I want it all, I want it now, and I want it free. And because there's no sustaining back end for this person, they're in a very difficult position, but they pretty much sign up for whatever, you know, the person says, because there's nothing else defined. There's no no definition of capability 
services, metrics to actually even have an intelligent conversation around other than just demand, order taking? Well, because that three-way relationship between the service owner and the business relationship manager and the customer, uh, which you, you know, I understand uh, our, the, our pink layout a little bit. Um, so making with you and Brenda made perfect sense. And to be honest, I hadn't even considered you know, but I guess that's why it's practitioner radio and I'm learning. I didn't even consider the service owner in the equation until just now, but now it's, it seems like, well, that's essential. How could you have not considered it? Well, think about it in terms of, of business, right? So now the business relationship manager is on site. They're meeting with their business client uh, and the collaboration services come up. Yeah. So someone has a, a new requirement for content management for the website, for the corporate website, and we need... Uh, some back-end content management collaboration capability. We're going to build in social. We're going to build in social capability into our, our front-end portal, our, our external catalog. So we would need to bring the service owner for web services, right? When we were, when we were if I, let me interrupt before I lose this thought. Sorry. Um, <laughs> I hate when you make me think. Um, when we were talking about demand uh, management, uh, portfolio management, and we we're talking about you know, one of the things you kind of opened my eyes to at that point was I always wondered, how do new services end up in the service catalog? Uh, you know, do they just one day just, boom, we just put it in there because we thought it'd be fun to add it. And you kind of explained to me that there's a process of piling it in when a, when a customer requests it. And I guess at that point, you know, they worked with a business relationship management and a service owner to kind of tweak and, and have something. And then, you know, maybe in a, in a pipeline approach, then it, it entered, entered out of the pipeline and actually into the catalog. Mm-hmm. Uh, are we in that same territory right now? Exactly in the same territory. Yes! So... Uh, do you want to go over that example again, or want to use the web services no, I, example? Well, go ahead, but I, I, I just feel like I connected four shows in you one did. sentence. All right, so the example you're referring to. Give me my pen. Give me my expert pen. <laughs> we, were, we were talking service desk and support at that time, right? Okay, yes, yes. So, again, the concept, the scenario is the business relationship manager is meeting as they are ought to do with their customer on a regular basis, maybe monthly, maybe every other month. And they're talking support. And they said, you know what? This service desk model we have now, it's okay. Nine to seven o'clock doesn't work, though. We have, we have a 24-hour service here. So we need 24-hour support coverage. So literally, the service owners uh, from the support organization, right? maybe even the service desk manager in this case, uh, says, well, that's fine, but we'll need to include some other people here. So they go, let's say they go to the network operations center, uh, owner and they say, listen, why don't we do this? The service desk will cover from nine until seven, but then we're going to do a handover to the knock for support during the rest of the evening hours. And then as we come back in in the morning, we'll do another transition over to the service desk because there's no loss of continuity. So they get this agreement among themselves, right? And the serv- the business relationship manager is kind of negotiating this on the terms of the customer concept. They agree on the operating level agreements between them for the handovers and the transition so they can have the seamless support. Then the business relationship manager will work with the service owner, in this case, the service owner, to document all of this. And we put it in the initial case in a specific service level agreement only for that customer, right? That's because it's custom for this customer. But over the next year, we we try it out, we tweak it, we test it, we get a sense of the cost. And now coming full circle next year, we say this offer it works pretty well for this unique situation. Let's now lift it out of the custom service level of agreement we have with this one business unit and now present it into the catalog as a standard offer. And the service owner, the service desk owner in this case, is now documenting in the standard offer on the catalog two options. 
nine to seven, which is core. You know, you don't pay any extra for that. It's just, you know, like air. It's part of the core services you all breathe. But if you want to subscribe up, here's the 724 model. And here's the additional potential cost related to that. And you can subscribe up to it. So I've now just operationalized uh, this whole new service offering through this relationship. Wow. Um, so finally, I have a, a bridge in my mind uh, over the River Kwai here uh, between how do these services get in there. In that case, we're using the service owner as being the service desk manager. Uh, we started uh, talking at the beginning of the show today a little bit about, you know, we touched on the fact that in supplier management, we mentioned the business relationship manager. And can we dive a little deep, uh, almost a, uh, I had a Gartner analyst recently tell me that, that he was T-shaped. And I said, well, what does that mean? <laughs> he said he's broad across one area, but very deep in another. Yes. Um, and, and a BRM kind of feels that way to me, uh, broad across one area, but uh, across many, but deep in one. Um, but what, let's get back to supplier. So, but you just did a great example, like I said, of the service owner and getting something into the catalog. When it comes to dealing with suppliers, who else besides a business relationship manager would deal with suppliers? And what types of things would the business relationship manager, now that we're getting a better handle on who that person is, do with working with suppliers, whether they be, and let's remember our mixed supplier model. Yes. Uh, <laughs> the one Troyism that I learned early on. Let's address some of that if you can. Sure. Well, let's refine that a little bit. Okay, so right. I want you to draw a mental picture in your mind. Oh, this is scary. All right. In the middle column, we have the IT service organization, okay? Yep, I got it. On the left-hand side uh, of this pillar, we have the business unit Yep. with a liaison between the business unit and the IT service provider being the business relationship manager role. I see me. Right? And in the IT service unit, we have the service owner. So this triangle there. Mm -hmm. Now go to the right-hand side of the central column, right? And bring the vendor to the right-hand side. Now there's a supplier manager, which acts very much like a business relationship manager yeah. that now is contracting for external services. And that supplier manager is also working with the same service owners in the center, the same service desk manager for support as the support service owner, right? And they're in turn integrating and interfacing with an account manager within the vendor and a service owner in the vendor. Okay, so you have that triangle relationship happening over there as well. So before the business relationship manager can go left and make you know conversation around the offers, the service owner and the supplier manager working with the vendor account manager and service owner cook up their offers, develop their options for service, which are then put into the catalog in the center, which are then the basis for the conversation with the business unit on the left with the business relationship manager. You got this web of relationships happening. We need to, we literally, we need you to script this on a napkin. I'll scan it and put it in the show notes because I can see it perfectly. Uh, and I hadn't even considered the idea of a supplier. What did you say? You called it the supplier manager? Well, Every supplier is going to have an account manager and service owner. Remember I gave you the example of Brenda being the account manager, yeah, right? And um, I'm the service owner. Well, in a practitioner organization we would work with, there would be a supplier manager. Procurement often is the case in this case. Yeah, we talked about them. Cheapest, quickest, meanest. Right, so we can lift up procurement to supplier manager. And now we're developing relationships of partnership, not just procurement. 
but I'm going to be dealing, and Brenda is, with a, our point of contact within the IT organization, which is the service owner we're, we're dealing with. Anywhere in the new uh, 2011 ebook or the old, I have my V3 books I should dust off. I, I can see them from here. And uh, and even dogs agree that V3 uh, should be dusted off. But um, <laughs> do they ever actually do a pseudo org chart? Or have you ever seen one of like, I don't want to say the perfect organization. Well, it's it's something that's evolving. Mm. Um, and actually, I'll, we can put a picture in our show notes. Oh, good. Or, excuse me, a, a link in our show notes to a paper that I wrote on the evolving service organization. Good. And we've touched on the fact that you know service management introduces new roles that didn't exist in a vertical, technically focused organization. The process owner, the service owner, and now the business relationship manager. So there's many organizations which are developing and evolving into these now service-oriented roles. Mm -hmm. And eventually what happens is the introduction of a service management office. Ooh. Yeah, it's, it's, it's the, basically this creation of a, of a function in the organization which is about focused on services and processes and the ownership and continual service improvement about that. Right? So you might have an enterprise process owner, but you'll have distributed process owners as well within the functional structure. But the enterprise process owner is in this group. So might be the BRM group, for example. Uh, so might be the supplier group. In fact, these are groups that simply have an enterprise function that are, are not situated or naturally fit within one of the traditional technical domains. And service level management, catalog, these are all kind of these enterprise functions that begin to evolve and coalesce into this service management office. How very cool. Yeah, it is cool. And many organizations are developing that. And then it really can be the front pane of glass to a mixed supplier backend environment. Well, yeah, because what you've described is really the evolution that I think we, you know, could possibly see over the next, you know, three to five years for a lot of these mature organizations and less mature organizations who are just forced to do it uh, out of necessity. The challenge is funding this because today's organizational structures are not funded based on service concepts. They're funded mostly on technology optimization, technology management. Mm. So I know and will fund functions based on technology silos, but very rarely will I fund enterprise groups. Or if they're, in, if they're there, they're kind of embedded today within an existing technical function, so architecture, information security, project management, uh, service management, finance, HR. Maybe we'll see some type of you know, rise of the hybrid sales project IT infrastructure and, and maybe they won't call it the service management office, but that's what you and I will know it is. Well, there's actually one level above this, which is in the paper, where let's say we all take all these enterprise groups that have nothing to do about specific technologies. Yeah. And we create a new third tower. Oh, no. And we call it the service delivery organization. <laughs> so there's service delivery, which have all these enterprise governance functions, for lack of a better term, right? Architecture, security, service management group, et cetera. But then I have your classic infrastructure tower and your classic application development tower. And that... Service delivery function now basically is the governance controls for whoever you choose to source infrastructure and app dev to. But you always retain that service delivery function in-house as your glue that binds. You know, some people love reality TV. Some people love chocolate. I love this stuff, Troy. It just makes sense, doesn't it? Well, of course. I mean, that's what I mean. It literally, it just, but I don't know. Maybe, uh, maybe you and I are odd that way. Um, hey, you know what I thought? 
We should, we should, I, I should reach out to Patty and see if we can do practitioner radio live while we're at the Pink 12 show. <laughs> that would be fun. You and I on the show, that, that's the session. Uh, we'll do a, a special double episode, but we'll record it live. Um, Troy, uh, it's, uh, it's, it's kind of scary. Uh, where this, this point in the show, you know, you mean that point? Yeah. Yes. That point. It's time for Troy's Thunderbolt tip of the day. <laughs> okay, Chris, remember. Every relationship can benefit from the wise counsel of a liaison, an arbitrator, a counselor, call them what you want. The business relationship manager role enables clear communication and collaboration between business and IT. They are the translator. Wow. Troy, this is one of the few shows I record, I do weekly. I would actually pay to still be involved in. You don't even have to pay me. I would pay to be involved with this. Thank you so much for a great show today. Oh, it's always a pleasure, Chris. All right. We'll catch everyone in two weeks on Practitioner Radio, Pink Elephant's audio show for the ITSM community. Thanks so much. Thanks so much.